Well, good morning to all of you who are watching us online, and to those of you at our Ashley Park campus, we are so glad to have you with us here on the last Sunday of 2019. Can't believe we made it. Uh, my name is Nathan Martin, and I'm on staff here at the church as a teaching pastor, and we could not be more excited for you to be with us here today, but also next week as we're starting 2020 together. And I don't know about you, but how many of you are already feeling a little defeated around your New Year's resolutions that you may not have even made yet, right? How many of us are feeling a little bit of fatigue set in like, this is not going to work out the way I thought it was? I don't know what it is, but I think almost all of us right around every new year start to get this feeling like, man, this is going to be my best year ever. We're, we're on fire to finally lose those 10 pounds or to, to drop those bad habits or to finally get our finances in order. But then it's like February rolls around and we've maxed out another credit card or we've picked up two additional bad habits or what used to be our fat jeans, well, they now feel like our skinny jeans used to feel. And we're just like, hey, look, accept it. This is me now. All right. Love it or leave it. No, don't leave it. But I don't know. In case you haven't heard, uh, next week we're starting a new series called The Best Year Ever. And we're going to be talking about how we all can begin to live the kind of lives that look more like Jesus by building the kind of habits that we all need. It's, we're going to build habits that build character, that build the kind of lives that we all want to lead. Now, I don't know if you know this about us, but we really believe it's true around here that following Jesus can make your life better and make you better at life. And we believe that's true for everyone. And so I don't just want to see you here next week. I want you to bring somebody with you, maybe someone you invited for Christmas Eve. Invite them to join you as we start the new year and help make this the best year ever for them because this is what I know about every person. We all want the next year to be our best year ever. And we really believe that following Jesus will help them make their lives better and make them better at life. So invite them to join you as we start the best year ever together next week. Now, today, I don't want to just talk about how to make 2020 your best year ever. I want to talk about what it's going to take for 2020 to be the best year in community Christian history. What does it mean for it to be the best year ever for our church? You may not know this, but Community Christian Church started almost 29 years ago as of next year. And 29 is kind of a strange age. And I know that because I'm 29 and I'm almost 30 and you're starting to kind of have all those thoughts. Now, some of you here, wait, that guy's 29 and you think, he's a baby. That makes me feel old. Why is he up there speaking? And then others of you in the room here, he's almost 30. Oh my goodness, that guy's so old. How? His glory days are behind him. Look, man, you are just starting the slow crawl toward death at this point. Those are at least the voices in my head at this age. Here's the truth. That's where we're at right now as a church. We're 29 years old. But here's what I believe. I believe Community Christian Church's best days are ahead of us. They are not behind us. God still has great things to be done at Community Christian Church. In the leadership of our church, we are working and we're strategizing. We're trying to come up with the best ways to make Community Christian the kind of church that God wants us to be, the kind of church that God can use. And so many of you guys, you're, you're serving and 
You're, you give financially. You don't just give your time. You, you give your money, and you're making invites, and you're invested in this thing, and you want to see it work because you've seen it work. You've seen it work in your family and in your marriage and in your life, and you want to see more of that. You want to see more lives transformed. You want to see more marriages put back together. You want to see more families healed. And so here's the truth. If we want that, if we want to make 2020 the best year ever for CCC, we need something more than just what we can do. I think what it's going to take for 2020 to be the best year in community Christian church history is for us to be a people who pray big prayers. See, if we want to see God do big and powerful things in our church, if we want to see more lives changed and we want to see more families made whole and we want to see more addictions beaten, then we have to pray big and powerful prayers. Because it's not our trying harder. It's not us caring more about it that's just going to make it happen. And that's not to downplay what we bring to the situation. I mean, your serving, your volunteers, the hours that you give, they matter. The dollars that you give and the invites that you make, the, the way that you care about this and you want to make it work, it matters. All of that matters. But none of it matters if it's not led by the power of God. All of it matters what you do, but none of it matters if it's not led by the power of God. All of our effort, if it's not led by God behind us, it's like trying to push a car uphill and you left the emergency brake on. It's like you're pushing and pushing. It's, it's just not going to go very far. And so as people who want to see God do bigger and better things in our church, we need to pray bigger and better kind of prayers. Because throughout the history of the church, every big move of God was led by a group of people praying it would happen. From the beginning of the early church, Jesus gives his followers one mission. He says, you go and you make disciples of all nations. Go and make. Those are your directives. They're pretty action-oriented. They're very clear. You go. You don't stay huddled together. You go out into the world and you make disciples. You tell people the kingdom of God's available to you. Jesus can make your life better and make you better at life. You just have to follow him. You just have to be his disciple. And in case you don't know, everything we do around Community Christian is based around those directives. Go. We don't just want to be a church that huddles together. We want to make a difference in our community. We want to go, and we want to make disciples. We want to help people follow Jesus so their lives can be better, and this world can look more like heaven. But before Jesus said, go and make, he actually gave uh, something a little different. These words, go and make, are written in uh, the biography of Jesus by a follower of Jesus named Matthew, but another follower of Jesus named Luke, who wrote a biography of Jesus, later wrote an account of the early church, these earliest followers of Jesus, once Jesus had returned to heaven. And he writes about Jesus' final days on earth like this. He says, on one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Now, this is different than go and make. He says, don't leave, don't go. I want you to wait. Before you go and you make disciples, don't leave and wait. And I'd, I'd be honest, if I was in that situation, I'd be like, Jesus, hold up. What are we waiting for? I mean, 
Come on, we've been with you for three years. We've seen you do amazing things. You've taught us to do amazing things. We know your teachings front and back. We can teach them. We can do all the strategies that you've taught us how to do. What are we waiting for? There are people out there. We got to do something about this. We got to make disciples. We got to go. But Jesus says, hey, I need you to wait. Why? Because I'm sending you a gift. And I've already told you about this gift. And then he explains it just before he returns to his Father in heaven. Jesus says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. He's saying, hey, before you go out in your own power, before you go out with all these strategies, and I know I've taught you some great strategies and they matter. Before you go out with all the teachings I've given you, and they matter, and you've got to hold on to those things. And before you go out with all the energy and the effort you can muster, and that's going to be important. Before you go out and do what only you can do, you need to wait on the power that only I can give you. And so they listen. They go back to Jerusalem, and we learn that they all join together constantly in prayer. They don't go. They wait and they pray. They wait and they pray. And if you're like me, and that would just feel like it's unproductive time, we could be doing something. I mean, I'd be like, hey, Peter, hey, man, you were with Jesus. And I get we need to wait before we go make disciples, but could we do something? Like, could we go out and, I mean, could y'all heal some people? I mean, let's do some good. Or, you know, Jesus was feeding people. Could we feed people? Could we take care of the poor? Could we do something? Like, maybe we could just draw a crowd up so whenever this power comes, we're ready to go. But Jesus tells them, I want you to wait. And so they do. They wait and they pray. And what they knew is that in prayer, something more powerful than anything we could do on our own really does happen. The power of God moves in our favor, and it's almost like the parking brake on the car is now let go, and you can actually move the thing. See, followers of Jesus throughout history have understood this to be true. There was a pastor and a very influential person in church history who was named Martin Luther. In fact, Martin Luther King Jr., his father, he actually changed both his name and his son's name because of this man, Martin Luther. He's so influential and so important to church history. He's often, though, been rumored to have said, I have so much to do this day that I must spend the first three hours of it in prayer. See, most of us feel like we're too busy to pray. I got too much going on. I don't really have time to pray. But what Luther says is, I'm too busy not to pray. I got so many important things I got to do. I have to pray. Instead of ignoring prayer so I can move towards what I think I need to do today, Luther understood all of my doing for God, it actually comes out of my being with God. See, my being with God it is necessary for me to do the things he's called me to do. And if that's true, then I need to devote myself to prayer, which means I order myself, my life, around making sure that I'm constantly having this conversational relationship with God where I'm just talking with him about the things that we're doing together. That's what prayer is. But see, most of us do the opposite. See, most of us, we order our lives around the things we, we think we have to get done in a day. 
We think, man, I got to go in early to work today. I got to get this done, or I got to stay late today. I got to work this overtime because if I don't, I'm going to lose my good standing in the company. I'm not going to do the things I need to do. And so I have to do this. Or others of us think, you know, I have to have my kids involved in all these activities because, look, I don't want them to get behind and I want them to get ahead and I don't want them to feel like they missed out on such a great childhood. And so I have to to do these things. And, and prayer, if I get time, I'll get to that. Or if you're like me, you think, man, I, there's things I just have to watch. I have to watch the Hawks lose another game because no one else is going to watch them lose. I got to do it. And so what most of us do is we end up ordering our lives around our schedules in order to make sure we can do the things we think we have to do. And since we don't really see prayer as something that's necessary to live the kind of life that God has called me to live, I just push it to the side. And I say, if I have time, I'll get to it. But what if instead of ordering our days around the things we think we have to do, all of our doing for God, what if we ordered our days around being with God? What if we actually understood that anything of value I'm going to do in a day is going to be God doing it through me, into the lives of other people. Jesus himself once actually said, if you remain in me, what he means is, you just be with me. Do life with me. Follow me. Just be with me. Then you'll produce much fruit. Then you'll do great things in your life. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, I can do some things. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So ordering our day around making sure I have time to be with God in prayer, it may feel like a luxury for those who don't have to work 60 hours a week or for those who don't have young kids running around the house and keeping you busy. But if you saw it as necessary to be the kind of father you need to be, to be the kind of employee you need to be, to be the kind of person God made you to be, you'd be intentional about it and you'd make sure it happened. So I would just encourage you to find a time every day, and it can be a time that just fits your lifestyle. It doesn't have to be anyone else's time. You pick a time, and you just be with God in prayer. And it doesn't have to be a huge chunk of time. I get how, how intimidating that can feel. Here's one piece of advice I'd give you, though. Make it a significant enough amount of time that you're not willing to just kind of chuck it aside if, if, it, if you don't have time for it right then. I mean, most of us have this thought of, you know, if it only is going to take me 15, 30 seconds to do, I can just fit that in whenever, and before you know it, the day's over and you don't do it. So I really would encourage you to pick a time, pick a place, and pick an amount of time that you say, this is my appointment to be with my heavenly Father in prayer. It's an appointment. It's in my calendar. It's in my schedule. I know it's going to happen. And it can just be a short time in the morning, or it can be before you go to bed, or maybe it's in the middle of your day, like on your lunch break, or maybe when the kids go down for a nap and you got some free time. Here's one idea that a friend gave me I thought was great is start turning off the radio in the car. Just ride along in silence and Allow that silence to lead you to pray and just talk to your Heavenly Father about the place that you're going and the things you have to do and the people that you're going to see and ask Him, hey, use me in that space. I have a time every morning. It's the same time in the same chair in my kitchen every single day that I'm just with God in prayer. And lately, I've actually been setting alarms on my Fitbit Inspire, and uh, they go off throughout the day just regularly to remind me, stop what you're doing right now and go pray. 
This idea actually came to me from a, uh, a monk I'd heard about named St. Benedict, and he actually started an order of monks that are kind of known for their routines and their rituals around prayer. And he said the reason that he and his monasteries would set up bells to just go off throughout the day to tell people, no matter what you're doing, it doesn't matter how important it is, you stop right now and you go pray. It's to teach us and to train us that your schedule does not belong to you. Your time does not belong to you. When it's time to be with your Heavenly Father in prayer, you stop. And that's the most important thing you can do in that moment. And so even if you don't set the alarms, no matter what time you pick, it's important that you pick a time and a place and an amount of time that you just say, I'm going to schedule this in to regularly connect with my Heavenly Father in prayer. Because before we can pray big prayers, we need to have a regular time of prayer. Because through prayer, God empowers us. This is how you're going to live like me in this world. And we can see that in the life of the early church. Uh, after the believers go back to Jerusalem and they're just waiting and they're praying for this gift of God, something amazing happens. They're waiting and they're praying. And then suddenly, God moves and this gift comes to them. Uh, the book of Acts tells us it happens like there's this huge sound of like rushing wind. And then something appears like tongues of fire. And I'm not even sure really what that means, but it appears. And then suddenly, everyone that's meeting together in that room, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, all these believers, and they can start speaking in languages they've never heard of before. And this is at a time before Duolingo or whatever, where you can just learn Spanish whenever you want. These men and women have no reason to know the languages they know, but it's just the power of God moving. And it's clear, this is God. And the reason why all this is happening is because at that time in the city of Jerusalem, there's this festival called Pentecost that's going on. And all these Jews from around the world who all speak different languages are coming back to Jerusalem on this day to worship. And when they're there, they hear this huge commotion. And so they go to where the believers are gathered. And when they get there, all these believers are coming out and they're speaking in languages they have no reason to. And everyone starts kind of freaking out. And they're like, something is clearly happening. Maybe they're all drunk. And Look, you might have seen some drunk people in your life, but speaking a new language you've never heard of, not a cool gift you get when you're drunk. And so they're like, that's not what this is, guys. That's not the way it is. They may think they're speaking another language. That's not what's happening. And so what is happening here is Peter then eventually realizes we got this crowd. This amazing thing is happening. And suddenly Peter, who's filled with the Holy Spirit, says, it's time for me now to be a witness like Jesus said I would. And I'm going to preach about him. And on that day, 3,000 people are baptized. 3,000 people who didn't even know about Jesus as the Son of God before believe it and choose to give their life to it. And imagine how, how crazy this sounds. I mean, 3,000 people in the city where Jesus just a, a month or so before had been crucified, been killed as a criminal. They're now saying, well, he must be the Son of God because this amazing thing is happening that can only be the power of God. This thing that we can't explain any other way is happening. And these people are saying it's happening because Jesus was killed and he rose from the dead and they saw him. And they said, this is this same power. It's living in us now. And 3,000 people in one day choose to follow Jesus. How does that happen? It's only the power of God. And this is where things might get a little strange for you if they're not already there already. I'm not saying that when you choose, I'm going to regularly start praying that you're going to like hear an audible voice from God or that 
something like a big rushing wind or tongues of fire, or that you're going to speak some language you never have before, even that you're going to pray, and then 3,000 people suddenly are going to start following Jesus. That's not what I mean, but here is what I'm saying. For the past year or so, I've been leading a group of men and women in our community who are just committed to doing what Jesus called us to do. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all of us realized we don't really know our neighbors. And so we just committed to the only thing we knew to do. We're going to pray every day. God, use us in our community and help us meet people. And then we'd go to places and we'd just pray for the people who are there, people we didn't even know. And suddenly these coincidences started happening for all of us where we'd be praying and then maybe a day go by or a couple days go by and we'd open up a conversation with somebody or people would even come to us and start a conversation. And then we'd start being able to serve people and we'd build friendships with people that we didn't even know. And suddenly for some of us, we even started talking about Jesus to people we barely had known. And all of us start kind of going, well, man, these coincidences happen and I can't really explain it. We start wanting to rationalize them away. But then we eventually realized, man, if this is not how God answers our prayers, I don't know what it is. And here's the truth. If I told you the details of these stories, you'd probably do what I do. You'd rationalize them. And I get that. There's just this thing in us that wants to kind of explain away coincidences. as They would have happened whether you were praying or not. And I get that. I've, I've been there too. I, I feel all that stuff. But I love this quote from an Anglican priest whose name is William Temple. He says, When I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. I can't explain it. But when I pray, these coincidences actually happen. And when I don't, they don't. See, there's something powerful that happens when I regularly pray for God to use me and use our church where God opens opportunities for me to do what He wants me to do and they're easier for me to do, and they're more frequent than they were before. Because here's what I know is true. My God is good, and He listens to my prayers, and He is working for my good. He is mighty, and He is strong, and He wants me to do the things that He's called me to do. And so He's moving in my lives to, to make it happen. He's moving in other people's lives to draw them closer to Him. And so as I pray, God actually responds, and He moves me. And he opens my eyes to the opportunities that are around me. And now I can work with him because I can actually see what's going on. And suddenly it's not as hard as it used to be to do the work of God. It's almost like I'm just naturally and easily doing the things God wants me to do. See, the early church so believed in the power of prayer that it shaped everything they did. If you ever get a chance, and I hope you will, to read the story of the early church that's in this book of Acts, you can see prayer is just all over it. So there's this story of the 3,000 people who start following Jesus all of a sudden, and they're, they're now part of this early church. And then there's this description of the early church, and it says this. They were devoted, and it lists a bunch of stuff. But notice that last one there is they were devoted to prayer. Now here they are. They went from about 120 people to over 3,000 overnight. That is an administration nightmare. And they're devoted to prayer. I mean, I'll be honest, this would be a great thing for us to have to, to, to address next week, but if that suddenly 3,000 people showed up at both of our campuses next Sunday, we'd all be incredibly excited about it. We'd be so thankful. We'd pray and thank God for it. But here's what almost everyone on our staff and on our teams would be devoted to in that moment. 
meetings. We're devoted to spreadsheets. We got to organize this thing. Imagine the nightmare around those little blue boxes we give if you're new around here, right? You got 3,000 people and all right, 600 of you got to share that same box, right? $15 to Mama Lucia's split 600 ways. You guys got to figure it out, right? Imagine all this. All of us, are. we got to figure this out. We got to get people in small groups. We got to do this whole thing. This is where our heads would probably be at. But in their mind, they knew we're 120 people. We just got to over 3,000, and we don't have any resources. We don't have any buildings for us to meet in. We don't even have freedom of religion at this point. And we grew by 3,000 in one day, and they say, we got to devote ourselves to prayer because they know it's only the power of God that made this happen in the first place. And so if we want more of this, man, we just got to be in prayer. And one of my favorite examples of this devotion to prayer is um, early on in the book of Acts, just really just after these stories here. Peter and John, who are two of Jesus' closest followers when he was on earth, become two of the biggest leaders in the early church. And they get arrested because they heal a person. And then they teach the way we're able to do this crazy, miraculous thing is because the power of God and because of Jesus. And see, at the time, the establishment of their day was both a religious thing and a political thing. And so they saw this new, what they saw as a religion building up. Well, they saw it as a threat to their power. And so they, they get Peter and John and they arrest them. And they think, here's the leaders. We'll crush the whole thing. They beat them and they threaten them. Hey, look, if you keep this up, you keep healing, you keep preaching about Jesus, something worse is coming your way. And so they release Peter and John and they go back to the early church where they're all meeting. And here's what's amazing. They start praying. They don't get together and start kind of strategizing. Hey, what's the best way for us to, you know, go out in public and not get caught? Or, hey, you know what? We got to, we got to get some politicians in power who are on our side. We got to make things go in our favor politically or legally. They get together and they devote themselves to prayer. And this is what they say. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word, preaching about you. Yeah, I know that's what got us in trouble. Let us do more of that. Stretch out your hand with healing power. Yeah, I know we healed someone and we got beat for it. Could you do more of that? May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. God, do bigger and better things through us. Give us boldness to not shrink away when their threats come. Give us boldness to do more of what got us in trouble in the first place because it's what's changing lives. God, do miraculous things. Do healings among us. Do these powerful things among us so that people can see it's only the power of God that's making this happen because that's what's changing lives. And here's what happens when they pray. After this prayer, the meeting place shook And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. God answered them. You want boldness? You want power? Of course I'm going to give it to you. I want that for you. Of course I'm going to give it. You just have to ask for it. And he gives them power. And I think this is the kind of prayer that I think all of us need to be praying if we want 2020 to be the best year ever for community Christian. God, do more in our church and through our lives. 
God, we want more lives changed and more families made whole and more relationships restored and more addictions beaten and more anxiety and depression that's overcome. And we want to see the broken made whole and the wrongs made right and the weak made strong. And we want to see injustice defeated in our world and the evils of poverty and systemic racism and oppression to just be done with, to be ended. We, we want to see people of every nationality and ethnicity and language no, no matter what their past or their political persuasion or their upbringing or the tattoos on their body or the words in their mouth may even say about them, we want all people to join together as brothers and sisters in the new life of Jesus Christ. We want to see miraculous things done in our midst. Amen. This is not just going to happen in our own power. It's not just us trying harder or caring about it more. It's a devotion to prayer that's going to get this done. So here's my challenge for you. 31 days of prayer. Now, I want longer, but I don't think you're going to commit to that. So I'm genuinely asking you to commit for the 31 days of January. I'm going to pick a time. I'm going to pick a place. I'm going to pick an amount of time. And every day I'm going to pray, God, use me. Use Community Christian to make a difference in our community. Pray, God, Open our eyes up to see how you're working around us and in the lives of people and just empower us to do what you've called us to do. And then here's the key. Expect he's going to do something. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to do exactly what you ask for. It doesn't mean he's going to do it in the way that you'd expect. Often it's not at all the way you'd expect. But expect God is going to respond to me when I ask him to do what he's called me to do. And if you go to ashleyparkchurch.com, there's a card there that says 31 days of prayer. And I've just listed some suggestions for things that you might want to think about, uh, the things that I've learned just for the past year and a half or so of doing this myself and leading people to do it. And I've even given you a format that I'm about to walk you through on how to pray the, this kind of stuff. And you don't need to get hung up on the format. What, what's most important is that you just take this challenge and that daily you pray God, use me. And my prayer is it won't stop at 31 days. My prayer for all of us is that community Christian becomes a church that is filled with prayer, that we become a people who trust that our good and mighty God is fighting for us. And we expect he's going to give us his power and things we can't explain are just going to start happening. Now, I want to end 2019 and I want to end our time together today by practicing this, this prayer. Now, the reason I say practice is because this is something we all really have to learn to do. It's a skill that we have to develop, and it's not going to be natural. In fact, Jesus' closest followers were with him for three years, and when they saw him pray, they say, Jesus, you got to teach us how to do that because we don't pray like that. So it's a practice we got to develop, and I'm going to guide you through a prayer that's the kind of prayer I've been praying for the last year, and then I'm going to give you some time to do it on your own. And I don't want you to get hung up on the format if you choose not to kind of go the way that I do. What's most important is that you just start today by praying regularly, God, use me and use our church. And if you're here today and you're not really sure you believe any of this, I can only imagine how strange this whole talk has been for you already and how weird this is probably going to feel in just a moment. And so I want you to know that it's, it's okay with us if you don't believe what we do. We don't want you to feel like you need to fake it here. 
I get it. This may feel like wishful thinking that your prayers are more than just kind of like good energy going out into the universe. So I, I, I get that. And I, I'm not asking you that you would even kind of fake your way through this practice. Honestly, if you'd rather just kind of take this whole experience in, that's okay with us. But I would encourage you to just engage on whatever level you feel comfortable doing so, even if that's just kind of reflecting on everything you've heard, or maybe you just take the moments of quiet and you say a short prayer to God saying, I don't even know if you're real. I don't, I don't even know if I'm just talking to myself, but if you are, would you make yourself real to me? Because I believe he wants to do that for you. Now, one other thing for all of us, whether you believe all this or not, don't try and manufacture a mystical experience here. In just a moment, we're going to do this prayer and some music's going to play just to kind of quiet our minds a little bit. But if you don't feel anything, that's, that's okay, because this is a practice. It's not about feeling something. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But it's really just about getting the practice down. So, if you feel comfortable doing so, would you close your eyes right now? And to begin our prayer, I usually take some time just to focus on God's presence around me. And I invite him into this moment. See, God is always with us, but I often am not aware of that. So I just ask God, hey, would you help me focus on the fact that you're with me? So I often begin by either reading a passage of scripture or I'll listen to a worship song or I'll just spend some time in quiet trying to reflect on the fact that God is with me and he wants to draw near to me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a passage of scripture and then I'm going to give you some time of quiet to ask God to help you focus on his power and presence with you right now. So Psalm 16 says, I will bless the Lord who guides me. and Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Take a few moments and invite your Heavenly Father into this moment. I want you to think about your day today. Think about the places you're going to go, maybe the people that you're going to see. Ask God, use me in these places to be a blessing. Ask God to open your eyes to see what he's doing in the lives of people around you and to even bring people into your path for you to bless. Let's do that. pray for specific people by name. There are a lot of people in my life who are not currently experiencing the life that God has in store for them. So I just pray, God, would you draw them near to you? And if you can, would you use me? 
Would you allow me to be a part of that and blessing them? Why don't you pray for people in your life right now? Finally, pray for our church. Pray that Community Christian would be a place where God would do big and powerful things among us. Pray that he would use us to change lives in our community and help make our community right here look a little more like heaven. Would you do that right now? Father, I thank you that you hear our prayers and that you are always working for our good. Would you increase our confidence in you as you work in us and through us? Empower us to work alongside of you to do the good that you are already doing in the lives of people. We want to see powerful and miraculous things done among us. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So my prayer for us this year is that we'll take this 31 days of prayer challenge. That God would use us. Because as we pray, I really do believe that God responds and he moves in us and through us. And my prayer is that as we pray, our eyes will be open to see how good and mighty and strong our God is. And that he is working for us and for the good of all people, and that we are not alone in this. He's the one that is doing all of this. He's invited us into it. And so, as we end today, I've asked the band to come up on stage, and we're going to end 2019 at Community Christian by singing the song that I love, that asks God to open our eyes through His love to see that He is fighting for us always, and that we are not alone. So would you right now stand with me? And we're going to sing this song as we end 2019 together. Let's do that now.